Hi, I'm Morgan. I'm Odette. And I'm Madeline. And, and we, we love Christian fiction. fiction. We love it so much that we wanted to talk about it on a podcast. Each episode, we will read classics of the genre or new releases. And discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join us. Hooray! Hooray! So today, what book did we read and what book are we talking about, ladies? We read Hope at the Ocean's Edge by Chantal Chantal J. McDonald. Yes. Yeah. Um, And this was a really fun read. And we have an author interview because this is a hybrid episode. So you're welcome, listeners. She was a delightful human and we will be talking to her again. I just feel it. Feel it in my soul. Um, and this kicks off, Morgan, would you like to tell our listeners what this kicks off um, yes. in our theme section? I would. This kicks off um, the theme that I was probably most excited about this season, I think, which is the YA theme. YA is young adult. I think everyone probably knows that. But if you don't, YA stands for young adult. So um, books that are aimed at kind of like the main protagonists are younger like teenagers usually is what that means but um yeah that's our theme our our final theme to end season two mm-hmm. yeah our final theme bringing it oh back God. which is crazy 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 yeah, yeah that's crazy we do have some all the way through a season I know. another season <clears throat> um and also listeners we will have some fun end of season things for oh, you as well in addition to this theme as oh, you. yes we will yes we will content all the things so mm-hmm. um we are here though and um a couple of disclaimers so first off um it's been a busy week it's recording this um you listeners are going to listen to it the week of thanksgiving we're, we're recording it the week before the week of thanksgiving mm-hmm. and we're all busy there's a lot going on and so we're virtual tonight and so you might hear some sounds you're not used to, but you know, we're here for it and still gonna talk about some good stuff. And then you might hear Absolutely. snacking on my side and their side, just snacking. You were. 100%. Including some crunching, cause I'm eating some cereal while we record. <laughs> <laughs> it's very crunchy. So um, before we jump into our interview, let's read the back cover copy so the listeners kind of understand what, what we're getting into. And then we'll come back and do star ratings and jump into the book and talk all things um, hope at Ocean Edge. Okay, here we go. Is a fresh start finally possible after a life-altering tragedy? Sadie Jones experienced extreme devastation at only nine years old. Now on the cusp of her high school graduation, Sadie is more than ready for a future that will take her away from the small town of Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. As the year is wrapping up, she catches the attention of a cute lobster fisherman who works down at the local docks. Tom Carter is everything Sadie would want. He's charming, honest, and hardworking, but will he ever be able to accept her distrust of God? When a stranger from her mother's past reaches out, Sadie finds herself poised to experience the culture and adventure she's always dreamed of, but she also is on the brink of emotional breakdown. Will she open her heart to God's plan for her life? And will she find hope and love at the ocean's edge? You will oh, find out listeners, in this episode. You will find out. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you, Madeline. So let's dive yeah. in to our interview with Chantel McDonald, Jay McDonald. 
and then we're going to come back and talk about all things related to this book. So we have something really, really fun um, in the middle of our hybrid episode. So for those of you tuning in, you're knowing that we've kicked off, we read the back cover of an, this amazing book, and we're here to talk to the author. So Morgan, Yay. would you like to tell our audience who we're talking to tonight? I would love to. Um, we are talking today to um, author Chantelle McDonald, and she is... Um, Writes, do you write primarily YA, Chantel? I do, yes. Yes, okay. So she's, which is very fun. So this is the um, kind of one of the first, is it the first? This YA is the book? absolute first book, period, that I've ever written. Oh, amazing. So this is Chantel's <laughs> first book. Um, and I think that you're the first YA author on the podcast, too. How mm -hmm. exciting. Yes. So yeah. it's double whammy for our listeners. <laughs> First book by the author, first YA author on the pod. So we're so excited to have you, Chantel. Welcome. Thank you so much. Welcome, I'm welcome. So, so excited to be here. Obviously, big fans. So I'm trying not to like freak out. <laughs> we're big fans of you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yes. It's a mutual um, okay. fan club, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I like that. We can just call it friendship. You're my BFFs now. It's yes. just what it is. I love it. Yeah. There is no bond I've discovered over the course of this podcast, like meeting fellow readers or mm -hmm. even writers, because it's just this this bond that stories can can bring people together. So it's really fun. It's a fun place to be where you can actually not just like absorb the story, but you get to hear more about how did the story come about and why was it written and all of those things. And it just helps you to appreciate a book so much more. That's awesome. Truly. I love it. I love it. Love it. So fun. All righty. So, listeners, you're familiar with, with this as well as I'm sure Chantel, you are too. So, we're going to ask you some questions. We have broken them in, into categories, but we got a lot of um, kind of deep diving we want to do on your book and kind of your writing process. Amazing. So, kicking us off, what inspires your characters and your stories? Okay. So, I obviously, if you've read the book, you know that the story is set in Canada. So I am Canadian. I am a resident of New Brunswick, where I always tell people it's north of Maine. If you don't know where it is, I live north of Maine. <laughs> and we in Canada have a lack of really great YA Christian fiction that is set in Canada. And so I grew up reading, like just devouring uh, books by like Robin Jones Gunn. She was mm. my absolute, I think I have everything that she has ever written somewhere on my shelf. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love those books, but they were very hard for me to like kind of picture it. They're set in Oregon or Texas or all of these books are just, um, they're fantastic, but they weren't as relatable because they weren't lo like location specific mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I was able to travel and adventure to places that I had never been. But I also, when I decided to write, I'm like, I want something that um, is familiar to me, mm -hmm. but also speaks to that, like the teen girl who is looking for great Christian fiction. Um, and so that was kind of where I started. And like, okay, well, what is what do I know? So we always write kind of from a little bit of our, our own wealth of understanding. And so I grew up in a fishing village in New Brunswick. Uh, and so I thought, why don't I set my main character in a fishing village uh, in Nova Scotia? It's not exactly on the nose, but 
it's similar. <laughs> and so I thought that was really fun. And she is somebody that has a lot of qualities that I would have not necessarily personally taken on, but kind of liked and um, understood. And then uh, there is lots of components to the book that um, I was able to kind of tie in some of my personal experience. And so that was really fun too. That's so fun. And I like that it's personal because there is something about, especially as a, a young reader, that when you feel it's relatable and you're like, oh, this is like me, whatever, insert the thing, the place, <laughs> the the maybe family dynamics or even right. being a sibling or being an only child, whatever that is. I think especially as a young reader, you can have a harder time relating to a story that's not familiar to you. So how powerful yes. that you used your own experience yeah. to inspire your YA books kind of based in Canada. Yeah. It's been really fun uh, to to kind of walk that road and see, you know, this the world coming full circle. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I like this was for me, um, and this is why I, like I love what you all do. Um, books were a mentor, like a spiritual mm -hmm. mentor to me in so many facets. And it's like this friend when you are lonely, and it's all these things. And now here I am being able to create something mm. for young women uh, that is just, it's just a real blessing to be able to do that. That's awesome. Love I love that so much. I've been telling the girls that doing this podcast has reawakened the voracious reader in me because I grew up reading so much. And there are times after a stressful day of work, I literally take my Kindle and I crawl into my bed and turn off the lights and I just like jump into a different world and that's my relaxation. I'm like, I guess I should have some dinner because you know, I'm just so lost in the world. <laughs> it's so easy to just kind of shut out. No, I don't want to deal with that right now. Just give me a exactly. like, no. happy little place. <laughs> but then, right, like the kind of combo of mm -hmm. when you have a, a good book and a good story yes, where it's a combo of escape, but then also you come away feeling like yeah. you're a better person or you know something more about yourself yeah. or layers mm -hmm. have been revealed. I think that's the, that's the sweet spot and it's so powerful. And we've discovered so many amazing books, yeah. including this one that do that um, with this podcast. And I think that's, that's why we do what we do is yeah. to sh shed light on the great work that Christian fiction's doing. Because when I talk to people outside of the podcast, even church people, they, oh, I feel like a lot of them are like, oh, Christian fiction, like grandmas read that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. There's, there's still kind of that stipulation. And it's like, actually, I mean, sure. I, if your grandma is reading that, that's great. But it's like, anybody can read this and anybody can get something yeah. out of it. And there's something for everyone and it's good and impactful. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. I love, I love that, that so much. Um, okay. So Chantal, what does your writing process look like and how much research is involved? Obviously there was an element of you, you know, you write what you know. So right. that. Yes. So gosh, there has been, <laughs> so I always say like, if people would look, and I'm sure this is every author ever, every writer, whether you've published, like if you looked at my Google search history, <laughs> you might want to like, you know, kind of sign me up for some therapy. Uh, it is really crazy. You do write what you know, but there is so much that you're just like looking to get things accurate. And so for every, even if it's a, if it's a job that you don't, like you don't work that job and you're like, oh, that person, you, you don't even think anything of it when you start writing. You're like, oh, that person could be a lawyer. And you're like, 
I know nothing about law, like law or lawyers or what they would say or how they would say it. Um, I literally, I just started, I'm working on the third book in the series and I, um, I, I texted my parents. I'm like, my character's playing crib and I have no idea how to play crib. You need to tell me like, what would be something that somebody would say or how, like what's a hand that they would like have and like those kinds of things. So my writing process, it was very, especially because the book that you're talking about is my debut novel. I had no idea what I was doing when I started writing it. I just started writing. Um, and I have three children. Um, they're uh, eight, five, and three right at the moment. And when I started writing this book, my youngest was two months or three months old. And so it was, you write in the cracks. And there was, I don't think I ever had a writing session that was probably longer than an hour. If I was like maybe an hour and a half, um, but that there was always somebody crying uh, in, or needing me or, or something. So it was writing in these tiny little snippets kind of through the pandemic uh, and how, you know, you're, everybody's here all the time um, and figuring out what it is, how, what works for me. Um, and so I did that um, and then w ended up researching um, a lot, a lot of Googling. The In this first book, there was especially uh, like a lot of um, – because we were in the middle of the pandemic when I was writing um, Google Maps, like where you can do the street view and then walk through the town. Like, I can't get there right now. And I want to know like that it's accurate. So I would just take my little person through the city and like, okay, okay, this is uphill and this is what this looks like and this vista out over the water. This is kind of what they might see. And so a lot of that. And uh, the, the love interest in this book is a fisherman. I know about fishing, fishing like in the I eat it sense, but I didn't know much about when are the seasons, what is it like to be on the boat, the rigs, um, what would the work like be like, like is it physical, is it dangerous, um, and so a lot of that kind of stuff, and uh, it's it's fascinating uh, how much you learn for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember hearing Becky Wade talk about this as she researched for certain bits of her books. And I'm like, oh yeah, like, yeah, you wouldn't know necessarily <laughs> what it's like to like experience any of these things unless you had lived it. Lived it. And a lot of times you live maybe a little bit, but there's a lot that you have to kind of figure out for yourself. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so interesting because some other authors have said that as well. And I think in your brain, whenever you're like, oh, writing a book, you don't like when you're writing a contemporary story. I think that a lot of people don't, at least I definitely didn't before starting this podcast, didn't really think about, oh, yeah, not a lot of research is done in contemporary stories. But right, like you said, if you yeah. don't know what it's and you want it to feel authentic on the page, yeah. um, that's so important, which I think mm -hmm. is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, side tangent. Um, relating to research, um, did you go to Oxford slash the Bodleian Library? I didn't want to say anything because I'm like, where, what, what chapter are you all on again? Well, yeah. I'm there. Spoiled it for them. But well, she she hints at it, but she hints at it though in like chapter two. Okay. Yes. So, okay. Yes. So I did live in England for three months, and I did attend Oxford, and it is funny because it's. I, I mean, that was in 2006, so it was a long time ago. So I did do a lot of research 
again, same thing, the mm. little person on the Google Maps, street maps, <laughs> what was this street? And this was the cobblestone over right, and you turn here. Um, but yeah, I, I remember walking through the libraries, and um, there's a bit in the book about um, the swearing in uh, at the library that you mm. actually have to yeah. um, say an oath. Uh, so, sorry, spoiling it for y'all. Um, <laughs> and so you actually have to say an oath. And so all of those things, that's personal experience. And so it was really fun to take some, like, not, it's not my story, uh, but it was like this, those little, oh, that was a fun thing that I remember. And so drop those in as kind of like Easter eggs for me. <laughs> that's so cool. I love it. <laughs> That's so fun. I also bet that you'd be good at trivia. I like to tell people I've worked in marketing for years now at various agencies. And so I've had clients across all different industries. I'm like, it makes you really good at trivia because you know these random things. I feel like this with your book research, if you went to trivia, you probably would have these random facts about fishing or about That's a really good point, actually. Because <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> You probably go on Jeopardy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think I think that I might have to consider that. That's a very good point. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, okay, so how did you get your start as a writer? Oh uh, well, so this is so that's very interesting. I am self-published, so the start happened when I decided to basically, but. <laughs> I was, I'm a teacher and uh, an English teacher and I love uh, writing. I have my master's of arts in English literature. And so it's been something I've done, but always research-based, lots of reading, lots of writing about books. Uh, and it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to write a novel. Mm -hmm. I never expected to like pursue writing as any kind of career or, you know, continue it. I was like, I'm just going to write a book. And once I actually decided it was, um, I, I had read like a self-help book that was kind of like a, nobody's waiting for you to do it, just go and do it. And so I started at the beginning of 2020, I just opened a Word document and one day I'm like, it's January, I'm like, New Year's resolution, I'm just going to try and write. And so I started with 250 words a day and moved up to like 500 words a day. And most days that was all I could manage. So mm -hmm. if I could just hit 250 to 500 words a day, you know, sometimes I was doing it while I was rocking a baby and slowly that built into, oh, okay, I'm serious about this. Let me get a writing community and I'm actually finishing this manuscript. Let me look into getting an editor and it snowballed and I realized, okay, I can actually self-publish this thing without having to wait for anybody, without having to query agents. And then I can hold the book in my hands and it can be on my shelf. And that was the end goal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that kind of those dreams as one dream is kind of coming to fruition, new dreams kind of grow. And I was able to kind of see more growth come out of that, knowing that, oh, Sadie's story isn't over. And I can see a like I want to keep writing her, about her. I want to keep writing the series, and mm -hmm. and then I wanted to write. I I've got a couple children's books, and so those kind of things were fun too. And so it's been a really fun journey that I didn't expect, but it kind of all started when I just decided to. That's cool. Well, and I love that, and to hear that, I'm not going to lie to you. It's so like lovely and encouraging because. Madeline and I are like, right, that's like our season right now. And both of us are like in the middle of our time. It's like, oh, what can we do in these like tiny little pockets of time? Like that's right where we live. Yes. Um, and so I love hearing people tell about like, oh yeah, this is how I did it. 
and it was just started out 250 words a day. I, yep. That's doable. Absolutely. Small goals. And, you know, that. you don't have a lot of time when you're in that season. It really is just these tiny little cracks. And so mm-hmm. what was I going to do with it? I need. I wanted to do something where I felt like it was helpful for me, but also productive in yeah. some kind of way. Like, you know, so this was, it was a helpful thing. I liked it. Do you still teach English now? Uh, I am coming out as my, like kind of, I can see kindergarten for my last child is kind of in the future here where she's go starts kindergarten next year. I I'm on the supply list, but I'll probably aim to once she's in school to start thinking about it more seriously, but I've kind of taken this season to be at home with them. I did a little bit of online teaching, but no, it's been a season where I focus on the home life and then we'll Mm -hmm. see about career life once we're in school. And also writing, I feel like is perfect for that because you're still getting that kind of expression and what you love about literature. And so that's such a fun kind of correlation to what you studied and to what kind of is translating in this season of life and what that looks like. Absolutely. And I've been very blessed to be able to be in schools as like a visiting author in a variety of capacities. So I've done middle school, we've done writing classes and um, elementary school, I've done readings. And so I've been able to be with students and be there. And so that's been really fun. Um, you know, like you never know what doors things will open. It's that ripple effect of I'm going to do this one thing and then it's going to take me in a variety of different new ways. That's so cool. That's fun. So you kind of talked a little bit about this, but did you always want to be a writer or is it something more that like, because you love literature so much that writing is kind of a parallel uh, kind of component of that from your point of view? Yeah, I don't think that I would say I always wanted to be a writer. And there, I know that there are people where the words just like they have to come out and that mm-hmm. they that flows out of them and that becomes the way like they're journaling mm-hmm. and they're blogging and daily. Uh, and I'll go through seasons. Um, in the summertime when the kids are home, I rarely write. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to answer your question, no, I don't think I always wanted to be a writer. I knew that I always wanted to be a teacher and I feel like my when when I was home with my kids, that teaching shifted to, I love writing, I want to write books, but I want to teach young women through my stories now mm-hmm. instead of teaching in a classroom. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I take that love of, like, guiding young people? Because I was a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. I love teenagers. I love being able to communicate with them. And this is a fun way. It's really difficult to talk to to, um, teens and young adults about faith. And Mm -hmm. this is a a safe way. It's their guards Mm -hmm. are down. They're able to process this kind of on their own. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I love this season where I'm able to teach through writing. Mm -hmm. And so I do love literature. I love crafting stories and, um, like improving them. Mm -hmm. And that's really fun. Uh, so yes and no, maybe. Just <laughs> <laughs> anything to do with writing or teaching was basically. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, I, I feel like you talked a little bit about what kind of this story specifically, what was like kind of speaking to you um, through Sadie's story. I feel like we talked a bit about that. But the thing that I'm curious about 
is, um, which I guess you also kind of touched on anyways, but whatever. I'm it's all good. Rabbit trail. Um, my brain is in just a series of rabbit trails. Um, <laughs> do you it is. I don't. <laughs> Sometimes um, it takes you to wonderful places. Imagine you're Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> without like the honestly. Okay. Side note: You started this. <laughs> I personally think the. Okay, that whole thing's creepy. One of the creepiest things in there are the talking flowers. If a plant starts talking to me, absolutely not. I'm questioning my reality, and I'm like worried for myself. If if, if I think a plant is talking to me, <laughs> Mad Hatter tea party. I'm like, whatever, fine. My family is nuts, anyways. Yeah. That, that whole tea party seems like a weird family dinner of mine. I'm fine with it. Talking flowers? Yeah. Absolutely not. It's the <laughs> hookah smoking worm thing. I guess. Oh, yes. Who are yeah. you? Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> That's a rabbit trail. <laughs> okay. I'm going to bunny hop off of your rabbit trail. So whenever I think about talking plants, I think about the VeggieTales movie. How and there's like a rumor weed. I'm like, he sings this song, he's like, I'm a rumor weed. And he like, for some reason, whenever, like, that's what I also picture, even though I know it doesn't do with Alice in Wonderland, like, that's kind of the vein that. <laughs> that's what you think about. Talking plants, talking yeah. vegetables. Talking vegetables are far less intimidating than a talking plant. Oh, that's right? true. That's true. Ish. Aren't they the same thing? Wait, a vegetable is a plant. Although that's true. Yes, Good point. Like, but like, also, I feel like it if it's a little tomato and a cucumber, that's very different than a large plant that's taller than the average human. That That's true. Sweet, lovable Bob the tomato. Oh, Who could ever yeah. be scared of Bob? Yeah. I mean, I you feel like die. the Veggie Tales are gonna be like my safe place forever. I just love them yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very thankful that it's one of those things. Like my kids love them too. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And so it's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's great. My kids had no choice, but yes. Right. <laughs> this is what I'm turning on. Yeah. So, <laughs> you can like it, or you can go do something else. Exactly. <laughs> this is what I'm watching. I feel like I need to get my nephew into them because I feel like now he's old enough that he would like them. He hasn't. I don't think so. He loves oh, Spider-Man and um, like Bluey and all those, you know, he, he yeah. and, and he loves Bluey's this like, show about like cats that like save the day. Um, I don't know. Are you talking about PJ Masks? No, it's, it's, no? it's about like specific kitties and they're like, anyways, I, I digress. There, there's a lot of shows <laughs> like that. <laughs> super oh. Kitties. It's called Super Kitties. <laughs> I don't know oh, that one. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, right. anyway, <laughs> if we sorry, Morgan. <laughs> the next question that I have for Chantal is, um, obviously, you said that your heart is for teenagers um, and young people. Do you think you'll stick to writing in the YA children's vein? Really good question. So, probably, I, if I know myself, probably not. I like a challenge, and so. I have high hopes and dreams for lots and lots of books in the Sadie um, world. And so I want to write, I, I, my goal is that this series is four, maybe five books, and I'm writing book three now. And I have, I'd like to do lots of spinoffs, but I can also see me writing like, I have a, um, like a Christmas a story that like a novella and like, oh, that's in my head. I got to get that out at some point. And so that would be just like a, an adult um, 
kind of romance story. And I've written, um, I'm self-published one children's book. The second one will be out in a couple weeks. And so I know that I like doing that too. And so I, it's a different, it's a completely different kind of brain space. And I like the change up if that makes sense. And so I like Mm -hmm. to challenge myself with a, you know, a variety of different things. So I can see me trying to write all different kinds of things. I, but I mean, there's lots of lines. I'll never be able, I can't read horror. I'll never write horror, you know, like that kind of thing, but it's been, I'll try some stuff. And when you, now your children's book, the first one that is out is a, it's like a picture book, right? It's a picture book. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Is there a second one also going to be that, that same? They're both about lobsters, which I didn't realize until after the fact (laughs) that, um, I'm like, Oh, there's a lobster fisherman. And now that I've written about lobsters, I must, I'm not sure what that is in me that I seem to be drawn to the lobster thing. So love it. I don't know. It's very, I'm very East coast Canada. It would seem. (laughs) Listen, that's a good thing. You know, lobsters are delicious. So I agree. Although the, the, the picture books, the talking lobsters probably would not want you to say that they're delicious. Right. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. True story. And I would never say that to a child who was reading a lobster picture book. Oh, they're also tasty. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Good one. <laughs> Okay. Uh, do we want to jump to faith questions or is there any other book specific questions that we have for Chantal? I want to, wait, did we not, we didn't talk about this last one and I was really interested in it. Oh, go ask it. Was there any like specific character inspiration slash like behind the scenes that you Mm -hmm. could maybe give us about when you were creating like, Sadie, Dawn, and Tom. Oh, that's fun. That is a fun question. Okay, so I will let you in on all the secrets. I I was in, it was interesting because when you were you had your um, author interview with Christiane Hunter. Yes. That's, uh, mm-hmm. She like I felt like she was reading my mail, which was like whoa, this is oh, crazy. This is we're so the same. We write <laughs> the same. And so she was talking about her how she came up with her characters, and she said like there wasn't one. Like, there's not a person that I know that is a character in my book. Mm-hmm. And yet, there might be like, oh, I really like this facet yes. of your yes. personality or mm-hmm. this thing that you did. And I'm going to add that to my character. You're not the same person, mm-hmm. but like, that certainly inspired something. And so, yes, there are absolutely bits of that. I think if there was going to be, um, for Sadie, um, she is a lot of me, even though she isn't me. And, you know, I'm not an orphan. I'm not like, there's so many things that I'm not. And yet there are like the love of books and the love of literature and there's facets. Um, you know, you write what you know. I've gotten a lot of connections to the fact that there are people saying, is that you on the cover? Like, <laughs> no, it's, I'm not the cover model. I'm not. It's just, I, it was my first book. I'm going to write that she has auburn curly hair because why not? That was just what popped into my head. And so those kind of things. Um, I pull a lot from, uh, for Tom, obviously bits from my husband. Um, but also from like, he's, my husband's a, um, a youth pastor uh, or 
by trade, he does a lot of different things now, but um, he and I both have experience with a lot of working with young people. And so there's some generic young teenage guy things that it's like, oh, I've seen enough of like, what do they do with a ball cap? And they're always fidgeting with their ball cap. <laughs> and like those kinds of things I'm like, oh, okay, I like that. Let me take that and pull these pieces together. And then the fun, like you can, you can Easter egg your books and nobody's going to know, right? That's the really fun part. And so here's the really fun thing. So Dawn Steves is the best friend. Uh, and so uh, Sadie's best friend. And so Dawn is my sister's middle name and she was the maid of honor in our wedding. And Steves is the last name of my husband's best man. And so that's the, our maid of honor and our, the best man are, our best friends are put together in the character of the best friend. Um, and so <laughs> it's just a fun, because you can, right? Like, so if you're going to play with some parts of the story, um, you know, there's, you, it's your book. It's, you know, our, um, illustrators do that. Like they put their own little Easter eggs. I know like um, Robert Munch, do you know, he's a, very much a Canadian, famous Canadian um, illustrator, but in his illustrations, um, he's got the person that illustrates his books. You will often find book covers of previous books. Oh, fun. and so it's like, oh, I love people do that. They hide things, yeah. movies, they do it all the time. So why can't books do it and hide in little facets of fun things that can you find that as you yeah, go? Super fun. Well, that. That's amazing. <clears throat> Thank you. I didn't really want to know that. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So Chantal, how has your own faith journey inspired your writing, your characters? Yeah, this is, uh, it's an interesting thing. I think actually this is crazy. Christiane Hunter, she, same thing. There were, we were so similar. I'm like, yes. Um, <laughs> A lot of times the things that I have been walking through in my faith journey uh, will come out in this story, whether I'm intending it to or not. It's like, oh, these are things that I'm processing. And as I process them, um, my characters are going to process them. And I love that because writing is this really, it's this healing journey. You know, it's your ability to process things outside of yourself and I love it because I use words to think through like my own life and how do people react in relationships and where does that faith journey go? And what I look for is how can I put um, faith on the page where it's accessible to young people, um, but also it's authentic in the way that the characters would struggle and wrestle. Like it's not black and white. It's not always easy. Um, especially in today's um, age, it's even more so. And so I like will try to do that. But I have become, it's, I try to be, be more focused, even in the second and third books, on having one verse that really speaks to the theme of the book. Now, in this first book, it's um, obviously hope <laughs> and that idea of, like God is with us, we still have hope even though things are are difficult. And I kind of latched onto that idea f kind of early on and that shaped 
So like, okay, how can I keep that thread? So she's going up and down in terms of what she's feeling about God. And then how can I keep that thread? And so it's one of those things that's so beautiful to be able to, life isn't always this perfect story arc. Life is never this perfect story arc usually, but to be able to map it out in such a way where it's like, I know where I need to get my character by the end and I need her to go on that journey. And as she's on that journey, like I'm on that journey too. And, and I'm really like, what do I believe about hope? And I consulted with my husband on so many uh, times because I never wanted it to be didactic, but at the same time, I'm, it's a book for young people. So it has to be a little bit spelled out. So there's a lot of like processing on the page, like what does faith look like? And um, how do we wrestle with some of the things that we're supposed to believe in and that kind of thing? I'm not sure if that answers the question. That was a bit of a tangent. Yes, it does. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank goodness. Well, and I have to wonder too, if when you go back and I don't know if you reread your books after they've been oh, written, yes. but if years you came back and read, would the things that you walked through with God during that kind of writing mm. process of that particular book, would they resonate in the same way? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yes. kind of like, we talk about this a lot. Like if you read a book, uh, Christian fiction book, and there's something about the story that you found God in the pages mm-hmm. in a really unique way. And then you read it years later, you mm. still find God, you know, usually it's in a different way. Usually uh, it's in a different way, but yeah. yeah, but he's still the same God, but you have changed or you've mm-hmm. grown or you found out new things about him or whatever, insert the thing yeah. and when, you're, when you're on this faith journey. So I have to wonder if some of that, that process would be reminiscent or that you've grown and learn. So when you go back and you're like, oh yeah, I do Absolutely. remember kind of that with the Lord. It is remarkable. And it, it, when I have gone back and reread my, my book and it is remarkable and like, oh, I really feel like it's a, it's a partnership with God when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just, I am the vessel that he is speaking to. And I don't know who's going to pick up my book and I don't know how my words are going to impact them. Chances are it's going to impact a hundred people a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fantastic. And I love that. And you're right. Like it's could be different every time. And so mm-hmm. it's a, it's a really fun opportunity to be the creative part, of, you know, in, in the writing of the words, but knowing that I'm kind of, God, you're going to do you and let the, let the words do what they will. Mm-hmm. It's so like, that makes me think of like, you know, in the old Testament, mm. when they like God would, God did something amazing. And then they would build an altar in this place where God did something to remember what he did. And it's almost like, yeah. here's the altar, like remembering, like, this is what God is saying to me now. Like, that is so cool. That is what a really what good an amazing way. thing. I love that. What a good parallel, Madeline. Like here's here's what God did in this season. Here's what he shared with me. But then it's like it's for everybody to see because that was the whole point. Like when they see the altar, tell yeah. them what God did in that place. Wow. Woo! I feel all spirit. <laughs> 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 Mic drop. <laughs> That's so neat. That is really, that's a fantastic image to think about books Mm -hmm. being so 
yeah, just raw. Like this is the moment to remember. Mm-hmm. I love, I love Christian fiction because it's got like I know that any writing has the ability to like bring healing mm-hmm. to the people who are writing it mm-hmm. and to speak to an audience and and there's power in stories. I know that, but there's something so incredible about stories that are pointing people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like that's just mind blowing. Yeah. So real. Agreed. Wow. Well, we could preach on that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're going to move to our fun questions. And I, we always joke that the fact that this is a a whole section because I guess the rest of this interview has been non-fun questions. (laughs) But um, (laughs) so the first one is, if you could have dinner with any fictional character or characters, who would it be? It cannot be any characters you have written though. A little oh, there's no question. It would be Christy Miller. Like Love. <laughs> a thousand percent. I'm like, it's Christy Miller a, a hundred times over. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love those books. And I don't know if you heard our episode last season where we read the Christy book, which is very different. Oh yes. I grew up on those ones. Yes. yes. Yep. So I read Christy Miller. And so when we were going into this, I remember that at one point, I think I sent them a picture because I was like, I thought... I was like, oh yeah, I've read. It. No, I've never read this book because it was like way, way different. Really good book, really, but yes, like but very, very different. Miller, like <laughs> the, the kind of vibe because she like was young and then like she ended up writing like her college years and yeah. you know the, the oh whole thing. And, yeah, I feel like I grew up with her. In, in I did too. I and yeah. it. I have written Robin Jones Gun because um, so that was this is this is my little bunny trail. Um, my wedding present from my husband, we honeymooned in Hawaii and, um, we exchanged wedding presents and the wedding present from him to me was to meet Robin Jones gun. <gasps> what? And so, because she lived in Hawaii and she, he had called her husband. Uh, yeah, not even kidding. He called her husband and set it up we have a picture like together and I got to meet her and like listen to her speak at her church. It was beyond. Oh so, my gosh. Anyway, oh, I have gotten to tell her. Right there. <laughs> I know. Right. Like, I mean, come on. That's it. That's, um, if I would marry you all over again. Just for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to talk to her, but her books, it's been so trippy because they have come out like, the college years came out and I read them when I was in college and the baby years came out when I was having babies. And the next ones came out like of um, the Haven Maker series, which was only two books. Um, the series got cut, but of Christy trying to make friends in a new place. And mm-hmm. that was me. And I have a group of friends that we were that we were no, like meeting once a week or whatever. And, uh, and so I'm like, Oh, if I could, if I could have dinner with anybody, Mm-hmm. Get me in a room with her. <laughs> that. So that would be a fun dinner too. I feel like the stories Christy could tell would be right. It's I feel like it's rare that you see you get to follow somebody from like fourteen all the way up. Like yeah. series don't usually last that long, or they jump mm-hmm. around. But yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. That's so cool. All right, Chantal, we are dying to know. <laughs> the world at large is dying to know. Who is your top celebrity crush? Oh my goodness. <laughs> my top celebrity crush. Uh, so it is, mm, this, they're always embarrassing. Um, Zach Efron. 
Okay. Oh, he's cute. But he's aged well too. He has. So, but see, Zach Efron, like when Zach Efron was like in High School Musical, was Hmm. like he was. Peak. He was he was peak, and then yeah. Yeah. as he grew, he kind of like gradually changed with our tastes. So it's great. <laughs> wow, we don't want the floppy haired guy as much as we did in the mid two thousands. The mid two thousands. That was a vibe then, and we were here for it. But now, that's true. Long. See, my sister has a far more interesting answer. If it was my sister here, she would say Harrison Ford, and so. Her answers, <laughs> like he's great too. Listen, everybody's celebrity crush is their own celebrity crush, right? Valid, and exactly. you could change it. There are times where I feel strongly about one, and then I'll see a new guy in a show or a movie. I'm like, forget about it. That's my. Like you moved to slot number one. Exactly, it's <laughs> my roster. Is okay. <laughs> roster. <laughs> oh gosh it's oh, really oh, funny i love it i love that answer we haven't had that one actually oh, that's Surprising. good Surprising. Surprising. okay it's the high school musical thing it's hooked me way back then i'm a bit of a disney nerd so love we're, we're disney nerds <laughs> okay and so we also need to know what is your favorite rom-com oh there are so many good ones i know Okay, hang on. I got to get it right. Okay, so the oh, there are so many. I really like Notting Hill. Ooh. Yes, girl. Okay. That, that's one of Madeline's favorite. That's a. I mean, I think that was the first rom com that I really fell for. I love. That's such a good movie. Uh, I also. Oh, so many good ones. I also really love. Uh, like when in Rome, I like. Um, oh yes, that's a good one. I to watch that movie again. It's funny, so it and cute. Like it wasn't yes. like. It's rare that you get rom coms that are just kind of like fun. You know, yes. like it's not rare. There was nothing in it that was. There were no like cover your eye scenes. Does that make yes. sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, it was uh, that was a fun one too, and I really like Kristen Bell. It was Kristen Bell, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that the one? I, I haven't watched that. that. No. Since I watched. Is that, that the one where she like throws a coin? Yes, she throws a coin, yes. and everybody yes. falls in love I with her. That one years and years So fun. Yeah, so that's an old one. Yeah. Yeah. There's that one, and she started in another one um, called You Again. That was felt oh. like it came around the same time, and like in that movie, she like comes home for her brother's wedding, and her brother is marrying her high school nemesis. She pretends to not oh, know. Her. That's right. And oh, there's so many good movies. Yeah. So yeah. Many good ones. <laughs> oh, and you know what? The other one definitely maybe. Mm. Do you? Oh, yes. Because the good kid. One. Yeah. I like anyway. that. I, but yeah, Notting Hill. I think if I was going to go for like a classic, yeah, that would be the top. So good. I love it. That ends the the end part of oh. is just. I know. It's so good. <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Yay. can you tell people, our listeners? I know that this is in the middle of a hybrid episode where we're going over um, your first book. But can you tell the listeners where they can find you and kind of any upcoming projects? I know you mentioned you're kind of working on the third book in the series, but any kind of um, upcoming uh, releases or anything that you'd love for our listeners to know about? 
Yes. Okay. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Probably not TikTok. I have an account, but I'm not really there. Uh, <laughs> it's more for me to watch things. Um, so Chantel, C-H-A-N-T-A-L, Chantel J. McDonald on Facebook and on Instagram if you're looking for me. And then ChantelJMcDonald.com. And all my books are on Amazon. I have, so like I said, I've got the first two books in the Sadie Jones series. The third one will be out probably in the spring by the time that we get all the things done. I have, um, and then before Christmas, my second picture book will be out. It's called Lorraine the Lobster Feels Blue. (laughs) What is I know. I love that. It's it's about a blue lobster, if you can. (laughs) Well, like act physically, like, oh, yeah, actually Like blue actually blue. exist. Yeah. They do, right. but they're one in two million. Oh. So she's so the the storyline is that she is not a blue lobster, but she wants to be. So she paints oh. her shell blue. And so it's a story oh, about her so accepting cute. herself for the way she is. Oh, okay. I'm more I need to get that. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I was like, I might get that for my voice. I know. I've got I've got kids in my house who Picture books are so fun. Yeah, (laughs) they're so fun. And it was one of those things that I started because my kids. I wanted to write a book with them, so the first one is Mm -hmm. like about a lobster, and I'm like, let's write it together. And that one's very silly and and fun. And so they came up with some of the ideas, and it's it's great to to have that kind of next generation excited about it. Yeah, that's That's so fun. fun. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that so much. Wow. Well, there you go, folks. There you go. Children's <laughs> books and young adult books. So fun. For all ages, you know? All ages. I'm yeah, catering really. to everyone. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. You guys are so, so fun. Yeah. And uh, let's just say that any books in the future, including this Christmas novella that you're ever going to write, call us up when you have that because we would love, we love yeah. a good Christmas novella that's a oh, Yes. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Someday. (laughs) Thank you, Chantal. No problem. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was so fun. She, as I said this, she's a delightful human. (laughs) Yes, that was such a fun interview. Oh my gosh. And it made me like this book even more. Even more. Yeah, obviously when we recorded that, oh, Odette and I hadn't finished the book. I hadn't finished the book book either. Um, But yeah, I stayed up after we recorded that interview, I stayed up so much later than I should have <laughs> reading this book because I was like, oh, I just, oh, it was so good. Man. Yeah. I told the girls, and for those of you who know me in my working career, I did not almost want to skip work today to finish this book. <laughs> I was so excited. No, just kidding. But I, I did read it over lunch and then um, kind of jumped, jumped back into it after um, my work day wrapped. Okay. It, it was very, very tempting this morning to sit comfy and read this book and drink coffee. Oh, uh, yes, I'm <laughs> sure. I was in chapter four, so I was like really early on and I was like, oh. you know, it draws you in. You were at chapter four this morning, Odette? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> and you had a full day of work. That's such speedy reading. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> After what, like, and you'll remember every detail. It's, it's just baffling to me. I've always considered myself a fast reader. And I am a fast reader, but that is mind-boggling. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, this was an easier read than some of our other ones because it this is YA. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
So let's do star ratings. Who wants to go first? I will. Okay. Okay. I gave this. I gave this four stars. Four stars for me. Um, I loved it. I loved it more. Um, I loved it so much. I thought that um, Chantal's writing, her voice is beautiful. Um, I loved the setting. I'm a big Maritime Canada fan. <laughs> um, literally honeymoon there. because <laughs> just my one of my favorite places in the world. Um, so I loved the setting. And I just loved the way that she wove the story. I, yeah, if I was a teenager reading this book, it would have impacted me so much. It yeah. would have impacted me so, 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 so. I mean, yeah. it did still impact me as an adult, but like for in its genre, mm -hmm. for somebody like the audience that it's intended for, like it's incredibly impactful. Yeah. Love. Love. So let's go. I'll go now. I'll go. Um, so I actually gave this five stars. Whoa. I and part of me was like, I finished it this morning and I like turned off my Kindle and I was like, and then I started taking notes on it and I was like, five stars. I was like, wait, Morgan, you need to be more critical. And then I paused for about 10 seconds. Nah, five. <laughs> Five seconds. I was like, I don't want to be more critical. I, don't want, I want to give this five stars. <laughs> I gave it five stars because I couldn't, there was nothing that I didn't like about it. Um, I would absolutely recommend it to pretty much anyone. And I would probably read it again at some point. So it was just, it was lovely. And, and it felt like a breath of fresh air to read it. And part of that could have been the contrast of reading it after several books that were a little bit more weighty. Um, and not quite as fun to read, <laughs> but, um, so that's, that probably worked in its favor, but I just like, I read it so quickly and I just sank into it. And after I finished it, I was like, okay, now, like, I want to read more books, not necessarily more in the series, just more books. Like I do want to read more in the series, but I was just like, oh, I want to keep reading books now yeah. because the feeling that it gave me was so like light and refreshing. And I was like, oh, I love to read. Love this that. is wonderful. I want, I want to read more books. So I'm giving it five stars. Amazing. So I'm torn between two, but I want to give it a 4.25. And I was torn between a four and a 4.25. But some of the things I kept telling myself would young adult Odette <clears throat> feel like I'm not anywhere close to being a young adult in, in that realm anymore. Um, uh, especially because I aged out recently of the young adults group at our church, but anyways, which is fine. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, Regardless, I kept thinking how much this book would have meant to me as a young adult. And first of all, I'm so grateful that Chantel wrote this story because it's incredible. And it reads in certain ways like a book that could stand the test of time. Mm -hmm. um, the way that, that she masterfully weaves language together and descriptions and I feel like she did a good job of the story still captured me, even though I'm in my 30s. But also I could see how it would have, the depth would have been so much deeper um, for me as a young woman. Also, though, I'm going to say I'm here for Sadie Jones and I'm going to be following along. I will read 
every book that she publishes with this character. Oh, 100% read, for sure. We, I'll read it. Um, and I feel like the one thing I appreciate, because we did read some YA last year and we did our nostalgic for the Mandy books. Mm -hmm. And I know that obviously this book wasn't published when, when, when we were that young kind of young teenage age, but I have to say this book, I feel like spoke on such a deep level that I would have reread this over and over and over again. And this would have been like my Robin Joan gun or my, you know, Mandy yeah. series um, had it been there. Um, and I think that I just feel like it was so well-written and mm -hmm. so simply beautiful. Like it felt like she wasn't trying to be complicated. And even like the, the break in chapters, like there was enough. Um, and I have to say that she did a really good job of capturing, cause we can all remember that, um, like young love, you know, even if you didn't date anyone or get married young, like the, the exhilaration and the feeling of like, you know, someone paying attention to you when you're 18, 19, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah. That was definitely something that like she captured really well. So really good job and I really had to stop myself from reading the second book so if I read the second book before I do the podcast on the first it'll trip me up so I was like I won't know which Sadie I'm talking about so anyways loved it and I'm here for Tom and Tom and Sadie is all I'm gonna say on that yeah of course love it that's amazing what a great review all right up next here we go Mads Rad Reviews. All right, Mads, what do you got for us? <clears throat> so, turns out everybody on the internet agrees with us <laughs> about how stellar this this book is. <clears throat> so, um, there's literally, I looked on Goodreads and on Amazon, and there are no negative reviews for this book, um, which is fantastic Bravo, and, speaks, and it speaks to um, the very wide appeal mm -hmm. that it has, mm -hmm. which I think is so cool. But I just wanted to read a couple that I thought really captured some, um, the way that I was feeling about the book maybe, <clears throat> or some themes that I found too, because I feel like there was a lot of reviews that like were saying very similar things. And I was like, that is so, that's so interesting. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> so this review is from Angie. It's a five-star review. And she said, so my daughter decided she was going to buy the book online after seeing it at school. She told me how much she loved the book. And I want to start off by saying I'm not a reader whatsoever. I could not, but I could not let go of this book. She did an amazing job. I can't believe how well written it is and the story I absolutely love. And the story. I absolutely love how God is brought into this book. I love how this book is meant to give back hope. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to hear the next book. <laughs> she probably means read. <laughs> Maybe she listened to it an audiobook. That's true. Maybe she did. Um, another five-star review. This is such a powerful story. Chantal's a great storyteller. You feel like you're in the story. Real life pain of real life beauty in one book. I highly recommend this novel, especially for young women. Um, and then I won't read anymore because they're all on the same vein. That's but awesome. there was a lot of of reviews that were just like, this book like reawakened my love for reading. Like kind of like what Morgan was saying, oh, like she cool. finished this book and she was like, oh, I'm just ready to read now. Just, let, <laughs> let's keep reading. And she's, her love for reading never went away. Right. But I, 
sure. it was just very fun to read those reviews that were like, I like this book makes me want to read again. And um, there was a lot of like that. And uh, yeah, it was just delightful. It's delightful to see how broad of an appeal the story has. Yeah. yeah. I think that's amazing. And yeah. So speaking of that, the broad appeal, come on listeners, let's go on a journey to Canada. Let's dive in. Oh my gosh. What my was that? Things perfectly. It is my new favorite thing for the podcast. Oh my gosh. That sounded so much like that episode of Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson is Duke Silver. And he's like, so come on, journey with me. Take a take a dive in with me, or so I don't remember what he said, but that's the way the way you phrased it, just so casually <laughs> like that, reminded me of Duke Silver, and it was really trip, funny. What is he? I know I can't think about it. Oh, it's something about making love with the music of jazz or something. something. Like it was it's hilarious. <laughs> something something like that. Something like that, <laughs> something like that for sure. Um. <laughs> That was the vibe I was going for. Smooth jazz off. Um, smooth, love it. Jazz. Smooth, smooth jazz. So th- this book does not have a smooth um, jazz intro. It's, pre- oh, it's sure. pretty tragic. Um, and so the book opens w- with the prologue where um, we meet Sadie Jones, her parents, and they're driving back from a play of Cinderella. Because Cinderella was her favorite <clears throat> and her parents bought her tickets in a different town than she lives in, but it's the winter. And, um, Unfortunately, they both die in a car accident. Yep. And she's nine years old. <clears throat> so it cuts to nine years later mm-hmm. when she is um, finishing her like final exams for before like she graduates high school. She's up for valedictorian. She's about to find out if she becomes valedictorian. Um, we see that she has been living since her parents died with her mom's sister, Lynn and Lynn's husband Jack. So her aunt and uncle, she's been living with them. They raised her. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. we also meet her best friend Dawn, who I think Chantal mentioned, Dawn Steves, and a mm-hmm. fun little Easter egg about her name in the interview. We meet her best friend Dawn, who's like kind of just very beautiful, very boy crazy, kind of the opposite of not that Sadie is not beautiful, but personality-wise, um, the opposite of Sadie, but mm-hmm. That's why they've stayed friends so long. Yeah. Um, so you kind of get this idea that like Sadie's been super stressed about exams. Dawn hasn't really been. She's just more excited about prom. Um, <laughs> and then we. We there's the first big thing that happens is, I mean, you you see right away um, Sadie's struggle. So. Mm-hmm. She lives in this very small town, Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. It's kind of like a tourist town, but it's very small. So, like, everybody knows her and everybody knows, like, what happened to her. Mm -hmm. And so she feels kind of trapped there. She feels like she can't do anything on her own. Like, it's always, like, wrapped in her history. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she feels like she's prematurely judged based on that um, and not for her own merit. So... We see her struggle with that, her desire, like she's so excited to go to college because she just 
wants to get out of the small town and like experience something bigger and like kind of get lost mm -hmm. in the anonymity and 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 Mm -hmm. Help me. Anonymity. <laughs> Anonymity that a large, that a big city can. I was bring. like, don't look at me. I'm not going to be able to help you now. Uh, <laughs> that a big city can bring. I hope that's like you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we find out she works at this little like fish and fry shack on the water. And as she's like going on her lunch break one day, she's running to the post office for her boss, and she runs into this literally cutie patootie named Thanks. Tom Carter. Literally runs into him. <laughs> He like immediately is like, oh, wow, clearly attracted to her. And he's like, hey, like my baseball team's playing tonight. Would you come watch our game? She's like, maybe. Anyway, she gets off work. She's like, I'm going to go. <clears throat> so she goes to this baseball game. And then after the baseball game, he invites her. But there's this delightful scene where she is sitting there debating whether or not she's going to go like actually into the baseball game in the, and he, in the car like she's in, in the, the parking car. lot she's in the parking lot she's like no i should go because this is unlike her and so and then she like he's literally knocks on her window and she, she it's she's startled and then he's basically like, yeah i had to get run and get an extra glove you know kind of thing and so he like walks her in and like then he like finds her when he's playing um on the field because she's like oh he just is inviting me like as a friend like whatever you know um <laughs> Yeah, even though she describes his chocolate brown eyes. It's so cute. That's so cute. It's very cute. It's very sweet. He invites her at the end of the game. She's like, I have to leave because I smell like fish and I worked all day. And he's like, okay, well, do you want to come to the bowling alley with me on Thursday night? Like I have a group that like I'm going to hang out with there on Thursday night. And she's like, oh, sure. Okay. It's like, great. I'll see you there. Um, I think prom happens in between that. No, prom is Thursday night, so she's like... Oh, prom is Thursday yeah. night, right. <clears throat> so she, she doesn't really want to go to prom, and she's like, I don't really want to be a third wheel for Don and her latest boy crush. Like, no thanks. And so she is like, all right, I'll go to the bowling alley. And Don is, like, beside herself. Like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. As a, <laughs> as a best friend does. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Who's this boy? Can we find a picture of him? <laughs> Can you take a picture of him selfily while you're at the bowling alley and send it to me? <laughs> Listen, we all know that we've done that slash asked a friend to do that. So, absolutely yeah. yes absolutely yes um <laughs> so i love it it's so like 18 year old i just love it young love um and she goes to the bowling alley turns out it's actually a youth group gathering from a local <laughs> church and is a youth leader at this church like, she immediately is like oh great <laughs> but then she's like no I, I'm not going to judge him. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. <clears throat> There's like this really lovely moment towards the end of the evening where he like shares his testimony to this group of like middle schoolers. It's like middle school, I think. Mm -hmm. And she's like, so um, moved by his just like openness and honesty with them. And definitely like, I mean, she, her parents took her to church before they died. Her aunt and uncle have taken her to church all her life, but she's not, she doesn't No, She doesn't, she's not okay with believing in God because she feels like if God really loved me, he wouldn't, if God really cared about me, he wouldn't have let this horrible thing happen to me. So I'm not gonna, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna believe that he is good because I don't see that in my life. <clears throat> so she's just like really struck by his honesty and openness and by his testimony. Does he ask her right there? To no, go out. To graduation. No. Yeah. 
Oh, that's right. She's yeah. like, okay, hey, I'm gonna go. Um, you should come to my high school graduation. Guess what? I'm valedictorian. He's like, wow, that's amazing. No, yes, wait, I'll be wait. Before he invites her, that's when she's out on the dock because she's like wrestling after after the pizza thing because she's like, what what was this after? Because they're at the the pizza shop after the bowling alley, and then she basically finds out she's valedictorian, and so she's trying to write the speech. She can't write it. She can't write it. So she's like, I'm gonna go to the docks. And while she's at the docks, he like sees her and he hears her talking out loud. And because yes. she's like quoting poetry to the ocean because she's trying to think well, of something. She's quoting Annie the Island. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And so he, Tom, see, basically sees her. They have another awkward run, which is just delightful <laughs> and lovely. Yeah. And I'm here for it. And um, then he quotes his favorite Bible verse. And then to be like, yeah, we're even now because we both like. I can talk to this guy too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then um, basically she tells him that she's valedictorian and she's working on a speech and he gives her some kind of inspiring like um, information is kind of like, um, like just very kind. And that's when he tells her too that he asked around about her and knows about her parents. Mm -hmm. And she's like kind of hurt, but he's basically like, you know, he he's apologetic. And she's like, she's ready to shut down, but she's like, no, like, I should give him a chance. And so then she decides, kind of after that, she was like, as he was leaving, like, hey, do you want to come to my high school graduation? That's right. And so um, she goes to the high school graduation, and she gives a great speech because she's so inspired. You know, she loves her, and she's inspired. And <laughs> this cute fisherman told her some, lobsterman told her some fun things. And so um, that inspired her, you know. And so mm -hmm. then... After graduation, she goes and sees him, and that's when he asks her out. And she's like, okay, but are there going to be middle schoolers there? And he's like, no, it's just no middle schoolers. <laughs> like three days later on Friday night. So she. But before uh, they go out, big revelation happens after graduation. The she big gets, revelation? Yeah. She pulls home from graduation, and, and they see a car. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh yes. right, yes. <laughs> I was like, "Do we read the same book?" We, yes, she sees a car parked like on the street next to her um, aunt and uncle's house and her house because she lives there. And um, uh, she's basically like scared. And I'm like, "Don't be scared." And but her uncle like, <laughs> I just love her description. That she said that her uncle was like, "Don't be scared." But then he gets out of the 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 car and tries to look tough. But when he stretches, his like dress shirt comes up and he's always belly hangs out. Like I just, it was just because you can all picture that, you know. Anyways, right. Sure. Basically, this guy's like, I'm a detective. I need to talk to Sadie Jones. Turns out she has a brother that she didn't know about who is yes. in his series. So, yes. So her aunt and uncle quickly fill her in like, hey, like we we weren't really planning to tell you this. And that was clearly the wrong decision. We're sorry about that. They had to work through that. They worked through it. It was fine. Mm -hmm. But basically what happened was her mom was like running the wrong crowd when she was in high school and ended up getting pregnant. But she was like 16 at the time, I think, mm -hmm. 15 or 16. And mm -hmm. so they put the baby up for adoption. Yeah. And um, his name is Mark Burgess. Mark yes. Burgess, he was adopted like just when he was a couple days old by a family that oh, he lived in. Yeah, he was like straight up like closed adoption, whole thing. Totally closed adoption. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so she finds out about that and basically the, yes, um, basically uh, the detective is like, hey, like he is interested in, in, in connecting with you. So here's his information. 
I'm outing. <laughs> so it turns out her half brother lives in England, which she's always wanted to Heart go to Oxford. Emoji. Um, she's always wanted to go to Europe, um, especially England and Oxford. Because mm -hmm. um, C.S. Lewis is one of her faves. Yes. So first she goes on this date with um, Tom. It goes really badly. He like sets it up so sweetly and so romantic and he like we describe this date it's just very well, sweet i feel like we have to describe this date real quick. well i think we i think we should just let them read it but what happened because we have to get to england in like this much time so <clears throat> what happens is he he sets it up he really like the whole i mean he really set it up for himself to hit a home run he really did yes. but then towards the end of the night they're like sitting on his like dad or uncle's fishing boat so romantic and then he starts asking her about her faith and like why she doesn't believe. And basically she tells him like, I'm not comfortable believing. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel God's goodness in my life. And then basically he's like, well, I just don't think that we can pursue a relationship because I can't be with somebody who's not serious about faith. And it's really devastating. And then she's like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Please take me home. And it's really awful. And decides basically the next couple of days to leave. We go to England yeah. for three weeks. Right, yeah. We find out that he like tries to text her. She never texts him back. Um, okay. He just doesn't respond. He texts her apologetically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> but she does not respond. And but she's heartbroken because she feels very oh, yeah. devastated. And it was, I mean, he bad badly done, Tom. Badly done. <laughs> I mean, that was wasn't not a great the way, right to, way to handle it. He that. is young. Yeah, he's like mm -hmm. he's supposed to be like 19. Yeah. He's like a year older than she is. So um, she goes to England. She gets there. Her brother-in-law picks her up. Her brother picks her up. Her brother. Her sorry. Her half-brother is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Her half-brother picks her up. It's like sort of awkward at first, but because she, it's awkward because she knows that she's going to have to relive mm -hmm. memories that are painful and like dredge up some trauma because yep. this guy wants to know about his birth mother. And mm -hmm. she wants to tell him it's just like she's kind of dreading some of that interaction. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the first thing? His father is not Sadie's father. His right. father was a drug addict who died tragically died. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, what's the first big thing that happens in England? Um, well, we should talk There's about Mark's things. married. Mark's married and has. Mm -hmm. Bridget, his, his, his wife, and Lily is his three-year-old daughter. And there's this kind of instant connection. And I think throughout it, I feel like we could summarize England. They go do touristy things. She gets to know them. But she definitely has this, like, trauma that she, which is understandable, that, like, she has locked up a lot of things. But being in England and talking about her parents, all kinds of stuff, has given her, has, like, started cracking the facade that she has put on for years. Yes, for sure. Um, the kind of the break of this, I feel like we could just go here since we got to, um, uh, keep, keep going is she, Bridget is going to go to a pottery class and, um, say he's like, Oh, I'll watch Lily, the three-year-old. She's like, no problem. And basically while she's watching her, she goes out on this, uh, Lily goes out on the street on, on a tricycle and gets hit by a, a bicyclist and is laying on the sidewalk unconscious. And so she's freaking out because she's like, Oh my God. Cause she's like not breathing and stuff. And so like, she takes her, they, um, to, to the hospital, um, uh, Bridget and Mark show up and she's like, oh my God. And they're like, we don't blame you. Like, you know, and, and, she, but she's like devastated. And basically she's like, I can't even handle going into the room right now. Cause they're like, yeah, we just have to take her for one MRI, but she has woken up. So she goes into the, into the chapel 
in the hospital and basically has an encounter with the Lord in a really, and I think it was the fact that multiple things like Tom's testimony, conversations with Bridget, like things have been chipping away at kind of this hard heart of hers for rightful reasons, but a hard heart of hers that she goes to chapel and she basically ends up talking to this older guy and basically gives her life to the Lord. So she comes back into the hospital room and Lily's okay, minorly injured, no um, brain injuries or anything. And um, cause she wasn't also wearing a helmet. Um, and um, <clears throat> then she tells, uh, Sadie tells Mark and Bridget that she's like a Christian and accepted Jesus. And they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then um, basically uh, that ends well. And they're like, really, oh, we'll see you again kind of thing. Even more sweet. She goes back um, home, she flies home. And she tells Lynn and Jack that she's a Christian and they're like so overjoyed. And then she has jet lag. So she wakes up at like the wee hours in the morning and goes to the docks and basically tells Tom that she, she remembers that he gets up at 4 a.m. to go to work. Yeah. And she was like, he really does get up at 4 a.m. Um, and I found in my experience, if someone tells you they get up at 4 a.m., they're usually not lying about that. Like that's not yeah. something people brag about. Um, no. No, yeah, they're they're sad about it. <laughs> no one's happy about getting up that early. <laughs> um, and basically, and then it, the book kind of ends with um Tom and her kind of like restarting their friendship, if you will. Um, obviously it's gonna be, but for right now, it's just that that they're back on friendly terms. And the book ends with her kind of reflecting on the ocean in a beautiful way and kind of seeing the goodness of God and how even when life is painful and hard, that there still is hope. <laughs> And there it is, people. That's it. It's lovely. Mm -hmm. Lots of details we kept out for sake of time, but it's truly you. It's, it's worth beautiful. the read. Absolutely Please worth the read. read it. it is lovely. Even if you are far, far away from being a young adult female, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's still worth the read. It's fabulous. Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. And I'm sure that all of us got different things from it. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into that. One of the things, ladies, that we did get from this book is it's finally time. I'm oh, so excited. Guess what has come back out of hibernation? Out of hibernation. Scale. The swoon scale. The swoon scale. So, listen, I'm so, so, so excited that we're actually doing the swoon scale. For, for any fans who this is not your first episode, you know what our swoon scale is, but I feel like we haven't said it in, in a while and actually meant it this way. In a minute. Swoon scale for us is how swoony the book, the characters, or the romance in the book was on a scale from zero to Colin Firth in a wet shirt from the 1995 Pride and Prejudice classic when he gets out of the pond yes. wearing a wet shirt. And just chef's kiss, in our opinion. Absolutely. Lossy. Lossy. And it, that feels even more appropriate because she did spend time in, in England. But um, so, um, for this one, though, because this is actually a book that had romance in it and not for a book. So we can actually talk about real sweet books. I've been more happy in my life. I know, right? Um, who wants to tell the listeners what our swoon scale was? For this um, our subcategory for our swoon scale today, since it took place in Canada and Chantal herself is Canadian, mm -hmm. we decided to go for. Canadian actors. Okay. Our subcategory. So swooniest Canadian actors in our opinion, or the swoon factor that fits this book right. for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So okay. who wants to go first? Not me. 
I don't mind going first. Okay, you go first, and then I'll go, and then we'll let Madeline kind of. I'm sure. still figuring it out, as sure. as per usual. They know I'm still figuring it out. Um, so, not gonna lie to you, listeners, I that category was thrown out, and I was like, well, I've got to look this up because I don't know who's Canadian and who's not. Um, so I had to look, and I was looking down the list, and my little eyeballs just zoop, zoomed in on one, Ooh. one name in particular. I was very excited. I was like, that's my pick immediately. And it is Rick Moranis. Okay. He has not been in anything in ages and <laughs> won't be again because he retired from acting. Um, to go raise his family, which I think is amazing. Fabulous. Um, he was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise. He was in some other stuff too, but that's the thing that I remember him the most from. Um, and he just has a great, like, sweet dad vibe. Yes. And even, I mean, he wears very dorky glasses. A kind dad. But a kind dad. Love that's it. That's handsome. Like, he's handsome, though. Yes, a handsome, yes, kind dad. A handsome, kind dad. And Love I it. just felt, even though Tom was 19, I felt that he was giving off those vibes. Like, he was just sweet and nice. And you felt very comfortable. Um, and the romance was just, like, lovely. And you're like, oh, like, this is going places. This is good. You two have a good future. And I just like Rick Moranis vibes. You know, Tom's going to be a good family man. So is Rick. Supposedly. Clearly. Well, it we mattered know. enough to him to retire from acting. There you go. I don't know if he's a good dad or not. I, I don't know. We, but, we don't know him personally. Um, no. <laughs> but I would love to meet him. Yeah. This was weird. I shouldn't have started. <laughs> I shouldn't have started. <laughs> but that's why I stood in the We're so lonely. Okay. I'll go next. So my Canadian actor pick for this that I think describes the romance. And I'm going to not just talk about him as a actor, but like a show that I know him from because I feel like that's more relatable. But Patrick J. Adams, for those listeners who aren't sure who that is, I'm about to tell you. He played Mike Ross on the show Suits. Um, and so a couple of things is I was so here for the moment she lit Sadie literally ran into Tom. I was here for the romance. And rooting for them. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can't. And I thought Tom was so lovely. And then he got weird on that, the end of the first date. And I was like, I understood because the this there's a side to me. I've said this before. Um, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but I definitely talked about this, that as a Christian, there is definitely something where it is on you as the Christian to express and to not put yourself in situations where someone who is not saved and faith does not matter to them has the opportunity to fall for you and you can break their heart because you know, going into it, there's no long-term thing here. So right. I do understand where Tom was coming from. The way he handled it was like, wah, wah, wah. Um, and I think it, it was an immaturity thing, but I do think that there's a component. So in the show, there's parts early on of Mike Ross's character. Cause I don't know, do you guys know the, the premise of suits at all or no? Okay. So it's a show on USA network. It's on Netflix now. Um, this is not endorsement. I'm just telling you about it. But it's it's basically a show where you meet this character who his friend's a drug dealer. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But he, he's really smart. So he takes L stats for people. And he, like, cheats the system. But sure. his his grandmother needs um, uh, money to stay at the nursing home she's at. So he decides to, his friend's like, well, if you do this one drug, like, drop off for me, I'll give you $25,000. And he's like, okay. So we go to the hotel. And the hotel is being staked out. So he, like, is smart enough to realize that there are um, cops uh, at the room he, he's supposed to go. That's he keeps walking. 
And meanwhile, we meet Harvey Specter, who's this like really high powered lawyer in New York. It's set in New York City. And Harvey is literally trying to interview people and they only hire people who've gone to Harvard. And so not only has Mike never gone to law school, he's not gone to Harvard. So he walks in and Harvey's assistant is like trying to find like a, a new candidate for him. And it's just like all the guys are like, like vanilla. She's like, no, this is not like they're all boring. And so Mike comes in and she basically says, why are you here? He's like, I'm just trying to dish the cops. And she's like, all right, go in. So basically then he goes into the interview and then the briefcase opens and the drugs fall out. So he tells Harvey everything. And then basically convinces Harvey to give him a job. So it starts this elaborate kind oh of Because he's also brilliant. Like he literally knows the law because he's taken the LSTAT so many, so many times. Um, anyways. Yeah. So anyways, and it, there's like seven or eight seasons. But anyways, so there's parts where like you start out when you're like, okay, he's just kind of down on his luck, you know? Oh, and then he does things. You're like, no. And so I think there's parts of it where I feel like there's components though, because you like are, you wanted to succeed and I want Tom to succeed, but also the way that he bumbled around things. I was like, that's why I need to read the second book. I thought it's already out. Um, I need to know what happens. Um, anyways, so, but also I appreciate the fact that as a reader, I'm invested in the long-termness of the fact that there's going to be multiple books and that Tom and Sadie, you know, are going to be, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, a long-term, like the satisfaction of them even kissing in the first book, I feel like wouldn't pay off for this kind of uh, book for young adults. So yeah, yeah, I would agree. So, so that's mine. Um, like Ross in Suits. Love it. Okay. Well, <laughs> mine is Hayden Christensen. <laughs> oh my God. Mostly because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know a lot of the younger actors that were on this list. And so I found a youngish actor that I recognized and I went with it. And now I'm going to find somehow, okay. some way to. <laughs> okay, let's hear, let's hear it. Okay, so Hayden Christensen, first of all, he's a cutie. Sure. He's adorable. Sure. He's got that sort of like devil may care thing about him. Okay. The same guy who played Anakin in Star Wars. Yes, of course I am. Of course. That's who we're talking about. We're talking yes. about Hayden Christensen. However, he clearly, he he clearly, knowing what we know about Hayden Christensen as an act as an actor in his acting career, he clearly had some growth sure. that needed to happen sure. um, in order for him to really succeed. Well, mm -hmm. not really succeed, but in order for him <laughs> Order for him to be a better actor. There was some growth that needed sure. to happen. Okay. Especially if you compare episode one to episode three. Well, was he even in episode one? I don't. Yeah. I don't he was know. like he he was like a little kid flying around one of those planes. No, but Hayden Christensen that's wasn't in actor. episode one. That's a, that's Christensen a was only in episode two and three. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say I walked out one, one, one of the very end, yeah, but. Yeah. In my opinion, the real good movies start four, five, six. So sometimes the one, well, and one two I would, say, I would venture to say in most people's opinion. Okay, <laughs> let's stop the debate here, please, because people have very specific opinions. I'm just talking That's about Hayden podcast. I'm, I'm really not necessarily talking about Star Wars, but Sorry. I am talking about Hayden Christensen. Okay. So clearly there was some growth that needed to happen mm -hmm. on a personal and career level for him to step into all that he is. Yes. You know, all that yeah. he could be. Absolutely. And I feel like Tom's got that going for him as well. He's cute. He's 
got a great personality, but there's some things that there's, he's working in some immaturity in some areas, but he did kill some metaphorical younglings. So he's got some stuff. He's got things to work on, you know, metaphorical. Tom, she's, she's Tom just, did. She's just she's Tom, saying I'm, I'm helping you make connections. <laughs> what book did you read? Tom didn't kill any I said Tom killed metaphorical, metaphorical younglings. <laughs> she's relating him to Anakin Skywalker. No, I'm not. I, I'm relating him to Hayden Christensen. Okay. Well, unless you're considering the lobsters the the younglings, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Whatever. The I'm point. Not Morgan. Morgan. <laughs> this is my spoon scale. I was just trying to help. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. We're talking about Anakin Christensen, not talking about Anakin. Which, by the way, side note, my my three-year-old, whenever we go into a store <laughs> that has like mannequins, he always wa- he calls them Anakins. And it's very, <laughs> very so cute. Oh look, there's some Anakins. He's also a big Anakin Skywalker fan. He doesn't know the full story yet. No spoilers. Um, he'll find out. Anyway, so what I'm saying is I feel like Tom, like, made some mistakes. He was mm-hmm. lacking in maturity and in, like, necessary, like, the necessary learns that happen mm-hmm. as you grow and as you get older. Um, and so because of that, he made some mistakes. And he, um, course corrected and was able to, like, end up having – a friendship with Sadie in the end, which was before fast. getting his arms and legs cut. <laughs> Again, we're not talking about Anakin Skywalker. This is for the record. This you know is just you know what? I should have made my point, and we need to be done with this. <laughs> Morgan, Morgan is doing the thing where like she's trying so hard to be like your wing woman, and like you don't need it. <laughs> that's that's my strategy. That's why no one has down. ever asked me to be their wing woman. To be fair, Morgan, I would ask you to be my my, my wing woman if the situation was appropriate. Thank you. If it, like, what, would pro- what would be an appropriate situation? Like we were with a guy who, like, if we were with, here's the scenario, okay? Love it. You, your husband, and I are hanging out okay. at a restaurant, having some great times. Like we used to five be guys. with small kids. Yeah, five yeah. guys. Let's go yeah. five guys. Sure. Yeah. Um, and up walks. To the bar, an attractive man my age who looks. When did Five Guys get a bar? Five Guys. I said Five Guys. We're <laughs> Five Guys Odette. Ben and I have three kids. Okay, we need those bottomless fries. <laughs> you do you not know hear me say has bottomless fries and a bar. Okay, Red Robin. Red Robin. <laughs> Red Robin. Bottomless steak fries. Okay, someone saunters over to the bar. And the opportunity presents itself because he's holding a book that you've read. Whoa. Oh, what's the book? Over. Huh? I don't know. I'm Morgan, you've read literally hundreds or maybe thousands of books in your life. I don't know all the books, but you would remember. It says a lot about the guy, depending on what book it is. I know. A lot of and so you think to yourself, hmm, let's say it's a romantic suspense that you've read and you know I've read. And you're like, I know a friend who's sitting right here in between my kiddos eating some bottomless fries who... uh you know, <clears throat> would all, also like romantic suspense. Then you could go over there and strike up a conversation about the book and say, hello, are you single, my friend? Hello, are you single? Hello, I love that book. By the way, are you single? Not for me. I have a friend. <laughs> She's over there eating bottomless fries. Um, 
You want to come say hi? That would be a great situation. That would be a great situation for Morgan to be your wing woman. That's what I'm saying. If the right situation presented itself, I would let Morgan be my wing woman. That is the most specific thing. Also, in this scenario, you had no choice in it because you were sitting at the table with my kids and I was going to the bathroom and passed this guy at the bar. So you didn't even know I was going to be your wing woman. I just stepped in. But I'm saying I've given you permission to be my wing woman. So that's why. Oh, okay. (laughs) Love it. We've derailed very. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what's happening. What's the next thing we're gonna talk about? Um, We're gonna talk about highs and lows. Okay, let's do it. Okay. I forgot to think about that. I don't want to go first. This is what I'm saying. Okay. Um. Uh, Madeline, do you wanna go first? Sure. Okay. Um. Okay. My highs were all of were the setting. The lovely literary references. Um, mm-hmm. My lows. <clears throat> it's a series, which means I have to wait to read the rest Good of it. Good one. That's my low. <laughs> yes. Um, I can probably go now if you okay. still need time on it. So, um, my, keep in mind, again, I rated this five stars, so, um, I did really enjoy it. Um, my highs were whenever they were in England. I'm a huge Anglophile, but I've never been. I'm an Anglophile from far, so anytime someone is, like, being a tourist in England, I'm just like, oh, that could be me someday. So, like, there's this fabulous scene where they, like, there was, like, these really adorable like pubs that they went to in this really charming like a secret cottage where they went to take tea Mm -hmm. and then they spent some time in Oxford at the Bodley Library um just all of these fabulous quaint lovely things and they were described so beautifully and I just was enamored and I loved I loved it um and my lows I I don't I didn't have any lows I didn't have any lows I'm going to cop out on this one because nothing, nothing made me sad. Nothing upset me. Like I liked the whole thing. So. All right. So I had a few highs, but I'm going to focus on one that um, was the writing style was just delightful. And it reminded me of um, reading Okay, now when I say this, I know that, that the stories are not. But Laura Franz writes very much, like, almost poetic in certain ways, the way she describes scenes and stuff. And there was parts of this at the way certain, especially when she was in England or even just describing, like, her at the doctor and things. Like, you could really, like, feel like you were there and it just kind of swept you up in the story. And so I really, really appreciated that. Obviously, very different um, settings and things. But there was just something about it that felt kind of, um, like, it it also read um when I say like old school I think that modern writing sometimes misses components and I think it's because the author's background is in English literature and so certain parts of it like it was hearkening back to that style of writing um and my I don't I don't know if I would call this a low just more like a I was really disappointed <laughs> that their first date ended poorly. <laughs> yeah, we all were. Yeah, was, that, was, that was a bum. Upset, and I, I saw where it was coming from, and 
Um, also, that's kind of the thing a 19-year-old does, you know. Um, and um, anyways, so, yeah. Want to read more. I'm, I'm here for the more of it. But, um, yeah. So, alrighty. Well, to wrap up here, ladies, let's end with some uh, God factors. Yes. Um, I don't mind starting. Okay, else just really wants to go first. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the thing I think that um, struck me so much about this book was how relatable all of um, Sadie's kind of struggles and questions felt. Um, I've never lost parents, so I don't have that as my own personal background. But just even with just the struggling of you know, how can, um, oh, actually I actually have a quote. I saved a quote. I'm opening up my phone right now. Hold on. Okay. So something that Sadie asked, I don't even remember. Maybe she asked Tom. I don't remember where she asked it. I just remember reading it and I was like, that's really good. Like, this is a thing that people ask that people wonder about. And I just loved the way that Chantel wrote it and that it was phrased in the book. Um, It says, if God is good and all-powerful, why couldn't he just take away the mess? Why did he need to sacrifice his son for the world to be with him? Could he not, in all his power, just make people better? And I was like, yeah. Like, that's something, I mean, if you've ever, you know, witnessed to someone or were talking to someone about God, like, these are very real questions that you hear. And so it just felt very relatable to hear like Sadie's internal dialogue about it, like why it didn't make sense to her. She had had some very major traumatic events happen in her life. And, and it makes sense that she would be struggling with this, that it wouldn't click this, this being who is supposed to be so caring and love us so much. How then can they also allow so much suffering to happen? Um, and even, I think even (laughs) believers wonder that sometimes, you know, (laughs) like I thought that it's like, why, why are you letting this happen, God? And I've, I mean, I've had faith for a long time and I've never lost that faith or walked away from God, but I've still thought those things because it's not something you can explain. And then I think the, just that beautiful, beautiful scene at the end with the hospital chaplain Mm-hmm. where he just like he didn't even really try to explain because he couldn't and i'm i'm sure like he said like in a hospital you're at, you're at a chapel in a hospital so people are there because they're desperate worried and scared and so you know he was saying like he you see all sorts of things and he was like yeah i mean there's not an answer for that i don't have one it's faith like that it is what it is. Um, and it was just like, it was just so beautifully put. So I think for me, the God factor was just how relatable it felt. Um, and I think both Madeline and Odette touched on this a little bit earlier where it just made me think, man, like I love, this is very accessible. And if I was reading this at 15, that would have, resonated so strongly and it would have been something that I could have like glommed onto Mm -hmm. in a good way. And so I love that, that this is out there for other young people to read and grab onto. Um, That was my God factor, I think. Love that. I think mine, um, 
kind of stemmed from this one line and it's a conversation that Sadie's having with Pia towards the end of the novel but I think I don't think I need to find it I think that I can probably remember it but she basically says it's just encouraging her but she ends the discussion by saying like you oh here it is <laughs> you need wings but you also need roots hmm. and I love that because like I remember being 18 uh, it wasn't that long ago it was 10 years ago you remember how you feel when you're 18 and mm -hmm. like all you want to do is like go and like do and be big and like take up space you mm -hmm. know like that's just what you want to do because that you feel like you're on the precipice of like the next thing and you just that's all you're thinking about is wings and I think that it's such a beautiful like she puts it into perspective so beautifully of like, yeah, that's so important, but also like the staying and the being grounded and the rootedness is also so important. And that struck me a lot because that's something that you need to hear when you're 18. <laughs> like don't, don't burn your bridges. Like yeah. don't, don't take for granted what's made you the person that you are today and what's enabled you to step into the next season of your life. Like, don't take that for granted. Like, this is important. This is this, these are the things that are, that have, that have molded you and will, and in some, and in Sadie's case, will be there for you. This is like, cause she's talking about her family and mm -hmm. her community. Like these are the people who are going to see you through to the end. Um, And I think that it that it's such a um, it's such that's such a biblically minded that's a such a biblically minded piece of encouragement mm -hmm. to give somebody, um, especially like a young person, to like yeah dream dream with God, but also like don't lose the roots that you have with Him. Like this is the this is this is a key thing here. That's probably my God. Factor. So you know what's funny, Madeline, is I highlighted that same quote. <laughs> it was good. It's really good. Yeah, it was really good. But actually, I liked the ending, but the first part is what got me. So it's in chapter uh, 14, the very end. Um, so it says, where you come from, the people who know your story and love you for all the parts of it is something to not take for granted. So the thing I kept thinking about is, rightfully so, Sadie struggled with contentment. And the trauma of her past, I mean, losing your parents at that age, I can't even imagine when she was like very close to her parents. Um, but there was a part of her where like, but I still had a good, like I have an aunt and uncle who love me, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But she was wrestling with this thing of gratitude for what she ha was given. And I know that it's hard. And I've like Morgan, I've not experienced the loss of parents. Um, but each and every one of us has experienced some kind of loss or some kind of pain or some kind of something that could try to take our focus away from the gratitude of what we do have. And I think it's really easy, especially in your younger days, and I still struggle with this, that on a hard day or when something bad happens, clinging to the hope, and I feel like this book was so full of hope, but clinging to the hope of what's to come and the belief that there are still good things, even if right now the things don't feel very good. Um, years ago, I started this thing. Um, I think it was at like a women's event or something at our church. There was like this concept of writing a thousand things that you're thankful for. 
and I was going through kind of a, a tough time in my life. And I was, I was maybe 19. I don't know. I was, I was young and just trying to figure things out. You feel like the world's your oyster yet. It's terrifying and you don't know who you are and what you're doing and all these kind of things that I feel like every young person goes through. Um, and I remember some days what I would write in my, or maybe it was even after, I don't remember. I just remember it was years ago that I was writing in this journal that I bought specifically to write these thousand things. I maybe got to like, or maybe it was 10,000. I don't know. It was some absurdly high number that you're supposed to like each day kind of things. And I remember some days what I was thankful for was for the laughter of a friend or for, um, the fact that I had a hot shower or things that seem so I don't know, it's easy to take for granted, but in seasons of heartache, if you're able to see God's goodness and be thankful for things and reset your focus. I'm not saying don't grieve. I'm not saying don't allow yourself to, to deal with trauma or to walk through tough, that, that's what I'm saying. It's that the perspective that it had been nine years and where Sadie was living was in this place of, I'm just going to pretend this didn't happen. I hate the fact that my town knows me as this tragic girl who's an orphan. And instead of looking at like, oh, these are the things that in my life that are good. It's the, the concept of being so stuck in the trauma that you're not able to see the goodness around you and embrace the life that um, is in front of you, you know, and you're kind of stuck in this, in this holding pattern. Um, and I feel like the book started out and she was so hopeless. And the story did such a good job of weaving in the hope of Jesus, but also the hope that Jesus is really giving it, but we have to receive it. And it's not about, because I kept thinking, oh, maybe when someone like says a certain thing, maybe something Tom says, maybe something Lynn says, maybe something Bridget says, maybe something that Mark says, but it wasn't, it, it was all the things that, that led up to her realizing that she had no control and that could she surrender to God and trust Jesus, you know, and it just, to me, it was this like gratitude thing that was kind of a small thread throughout it um, that other people seem to capture. Cause it's not like bad things didn't happen to other people, but like that they were able to find kind of the, the goodness um, and the gratitude in that. The thing I want to close with um, for my section is I looked up what's the real meaning of hope and hope mm -hmm. is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large. As a verb, its definition includes expect with confidence and to cherish a desire with anticipation. That's from Wikipedia for those listeners um, who want to know where I got my source from. But I think that the book ends on kind of a hopeful thing. And I have so much hope for Sadie and her journey. And I also have so much hope for each and every one of us. And no matter what kind of we're walking through, if you can take that moment, and even if it's that, hey, thank you God that I woke up today and I have a roof over my head and I had food in my pantry and I had, you know, uh, a job, whatever it is. Sometimes it's a small thing. I remember one time I was like, thank you God that when I wash my dishes, I have soap and there's bubbles. Okay. <laughs> it's just kind of, can you find gratitude in the small things that are, that God has brought into your life, even when you're walking through hard things. Yes. So that's so my good. So good. That's Odette. awesome. So good. Well, Chantal, thank you so much yes. for this book. This such a good book. book. And yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I feel like this um, section or theme for our podcast is going to give us um, more um, young adult fiction to recommend to people. Because I feel like yeah. when, when in this day and age, I feel like this, so, some people have asked us and I'm like, oh, I haven't read young adult Christian fiction in a long time. Now I have. And now <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah, I love that. 
Amazing. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in. And Morgan, do you want to say what's up next in our young adult Christian fiction, a different, a different pathway? Yes. But um, um, for this book, for sure. Or for, or for this theme. Um, yeah, but we're still very excited about it. So the next book that we're going to be reading is I'm probably going to butcher pronunciation. So we'll correct that when the actual episode comes out, but it is the, the recruit of Talionis by mm-hmm. CJ Malisi. Um, and it's a science fiction YA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm excited. Yes. And we're going to have a special guest. <gasps> That's yes, right. Yes. So yeah. And we're chatting with CJ. Yeah. Yeah, So like lots of good things coming up listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in and yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Follow us on Instagram at Redeeming Lit Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify so you don't miss any episodes. If you have any questions or book recommendations, email us at redeeminglitpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep keep it lit. lit!